Welcome to Inside Outside Innovation, episode 74. In this quick episode about venture capital, you'll hear clips from guests Ann Winblatt and Christina Beckold, who previously appeared on Inside Outside Innovation. Between them, they covered how to find a good founder and where to look, how corporate venture capitalists can work better with startups, and what it means now that customers are buyers. Hi there, everyone. I'm Victory Clafter, the producer of Inside Outside Innovation. This is the podcast that brings you the latest insights from people who know the most about building lean businesses, innovating within corporations, and disrupting entire industries with passion and precision. Christina Beckel is a principal with Samsung Next Ventures. She is also a co-founder of Empire Angels, an angel investing firm she started so that she and other young people like herself could find other options to invest in than just in their friends' companies. So you've been on both sides of the table as an individual angel investor, and now with the backing of a major corporation of Samsung and all the resources that go around that. Talk a little bit about when you're talking to a founder about investing, what are the differences from being an individual angel versus a corporate venture? Uh, and what are the kind of the good, bad, and indifferent things that you hear from founders in that uh, about traditional venture capital versus corporate venture capital? Sure. You know, with my angel hat, you know, I, I'm always investing in seed stage companies. And so oftentimes those are companies where I'm, I'm more than anything looking for a really great founder that I want to spend time working with. One of the best parts of being an angel is that you, you can often be hands-on with early stage companies in ways that you, you aren't always able to. Maybe when the cap table gets bigger, there are more investors involved. But at the really early stages, you're working often one-on-one with these, these CEOs, these founders, founders or founding teams. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes, I'm, just, I'm mostly looking for someone that I want to personally back and spend time with. Um, who I believe that regardless of where their product may end up, because oftentimes they have, you know, are are still figuring out their product and their product market fit, that they'll be able to surmount those obstacles and and come out the other side successfully. And so I spend a lot of time thinking about the people that I'm investing in. That's absolutely still true at the at the point where I'm have a VC hat on and thinking more at uh, more often at the Series A and sometimes Series B stage. But at Samsung, we are both strategic and financial investors. You know, angels, I think, generally want, obviously want to get their money back, but often should or should absolutely assume that they are not going to get, get anything back. And so they tend to do it for uh, other, other more altruistic reasons. You know, they, they enjoy meeting with lots of entrepreneurs, sharing their experience and advice, uh, getting hands-on if they want to. It's very different than uh, when you are investing money, particularly from other people, where you have a financial motivation to return capital um, as well as more. But also, for us, we have a strategic obligation to make sure the companies we're investing in um, are ones to which we can add value and can add value to Samsung in the right ways at the right times. And so it's a slightly different lens. Uh, In addition to obviously looking for a great founder or founding team, we also need to make sure that it's a market that makes sense for us. Um, You're not going to see Samsung Electronics investing in, uh, you know, restaurants and uh, hotels, for example. That's not the core to our business and not something that we could be as helpful for. But making sure that the companies that we're, we're supporting and investing and the entrepreneurs that we're backing are ones where... They're doing things that are relevant for us to, uh, and that we can we can be helpful to. You, you may have seen uh, Fred Wilson in your backyard in New York uh, with Union Square Ventures had a post recently about how founders shouldn't really look towards corporate venture as, as their money. Um, what are your thoughts on that, corporate venture versus traditional venture? I would respect 
respectfully disagree with Fred. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I know plenty of VCs uh, on both coasts and elsewhere who are not fans of corporate venture teams, and I, you know, I certainly understand some of their concerns. You know, historically, I think corporate venture often leaves a bad taste in people's mouth, um, in part because of sometimes the ways that corporates go about doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, they take people from a corporate development or a strategy team and repurpose them for doing venture investing, which is not the way that we do it at Samsung. Our venture teams, we have multiple teams at Samsung. I'm, I'm on the early stage software and services focused one. Uh, we are all people who come from an investing and operating background. And so this is this is what we do and what we know. I think that's very important. So I certainly recommend that entrepreneurs work with corporate venture teams and take money from teams who who understand early stage investing, how these companies grow and work and function, uh, what what those roadblocks are going to be, because otherwise it can be, I think, a very strenuous relationship. The other, you know, there is also a number of huge advantages to corporate venture money for entrepreneurs, you know, in part, as I mentioned before, because, you know, oftentimes we're both strategic and financial investors as opposed to purely financial. Some are also even purely strategic. Um, there are some who make venture investment with uh, much more of a strategic eye than, than really even financial. And then, you know, oftentimes that can allow corporates to give much better, friendlier terms to early stage companies than financial investors who carry responsibility um, to get as large a return as they can for their LPs. So if you find if you find a corporate that lines with your interests, uh, your product, your business, your market, and has a team of people there that you are excited to work with, I think that can be a hugely beneficial opportunity for an early stage company. But a lot of it does depend on on who you're working with and and what the value is that they can bring. Now we're going to switch to our interview with Ann Winblad, a partner with Hummer Winblad Venture Partners based out of Minneapolis. She has witnessed firsthand the advent of the internet and talked about how that continues to revolutionize the practice of venture capital. So corporate venture seems to be getting much more active as well. I think I read some statistic where over half of the the deals, there's a corporate venture partner somewhere uh, involved. So you're seeing corporations, I guess, I think looking externally to startups as a way to potentially combat innovation or to understand and to play in that particular space. What are you you seeing from your side? You mentioned earlier that uh, software companies go and try to sell stuff to companies. Nobody can do that anymore. You know, you can't sell functions and features anymore because this is not mystical anymore. So customers are buyers, and customers are very, very sophisticated. The role of the CIO has been elevated dramatically. IT is no longer just plumbing and productivity and lowering cost of ownership. It is strategy. And it also means that the software companies that we invest in have to have partnerships early with industry. And these partnerships are, are frequently forged with these innovation centers or innovation labs where the software is put through their rigors early, the scaling of the software is tested very, very early, and that's really helping our innovators as well as the enterprises. Because this partnership, if you fail the first time through, you're out. So everybody's building better product especially product that really does not require heavy lifting to be installed. You know, Amazon really set the stage that this stuff has to be accessible and usable without human intervention. Uh, And that changes the quality level highly. But I really do value these innovation groups within these companies. To be truthful, uh, and I always try to be as truthful as possible, that The expertise industry by industry in the investor community is low. We are generalists. And 
The technologists that come to us that want to disrupt an industry, for the most part, they are looking at a different lens, and there's lots of stuff they don't know. Mm -hmm. So most of the disruptors end up hiring from that industry, partnering with that industry. Airbnb is a partner with many people now because they have a pricing engine that other people don't. They have an AI engine that other people don't. They have released AI product, open source product to the marketplace. So they have developers coming on their platform. So they're becoming a broader ecosystem. They're a very, very good example and a very good company. Not one of our investments, but a very good company. So you mentioned ecosystems. You mentioned you, you've invested in a company that started in Malta. That's the other kind of trend that we're seeing is that these innovations are, are popping up everywhere and these startup ecosystems are popping up everywhere. How does that change the game uh, from a venture perspective? And what are you seeing uh, as far as innovation popping up everywhere? Well, I do see that, speaking apart from technology innovation, that we have always funded companies that have some global dynamic right away, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. In our first fund, we funded uh, you know, four Israeli brothers uh, for a company called Scopus that built the first CRM system, acquired by Siebel, became Siebel CRM. And those four brothers have started five or six other companies. So this has always been a melting pot more than people think. It's not just people that were born and raised in Silicon Valley. In fact, read the names of the CEOs or founders of companies. So we're very concerned about you know some of the immigration thoughts from our country's leadership. And you live in a town with a great university, which is a melting pot as well, in the center of our country, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Without that, we don't have the kind of lens we need. The biggest consumers of e-commerce are Chinese. Some of the best coders in the world could be in Estonia. Where did Bitcoin come from? We don't know. Uh, but there's a bunch of 19-year-olds, especially another one today, with you know claiming that he's the, he's the one. So the world has been flattened for technology for quite some time. That was one of the Internet effects that we got, is everybody was on the same common platform. Net neutrality is very important for us here in the U.S. to also have that platform stay equalized. You mentioned earlier that you were in an era where it cost you know, millions of dollars to build a website. Well, you, you ditch net neutrality. Somebody may never build that website because of the cost of operating it. That's the end of another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. Thanks for joining us. If you want to learn more about our team here at Econic, the voices behind Inside Outside Innovation, go to insideoutside.io or the IO podcast on Twitter. Until next time, go out and innovate.